0: The Royal Caribbean blog podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 508. Today, we have a Royal Caribbean cruise review from somebody who's never cruised with the Royal Caribbean but has cruised with other cruise lines. So, how does Royal Caribbean stack up compared to Carnival and Norwegian? Let's go into it up next. Royal Caribbean attracts all sorts of people, not just people who have not cruised before, but also people that have cruised other cruise lines. And this week, we're talking with uh, one of our listeners that got a chance to try out Royal Caribbean for the very first time after being on a number of other cruises. Craig Storm joins us on this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Craig.
1: Hi, Matt. Thanks. Very happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. I saw your email. Craig sent me an email and said he was going on Oasis of the Seas. And what's interesting and what's really struck me, Craig, was the fact that this is your first Royal Caribbean cruise. So tell us about your cruise history before going on Royal Caribbean.
1: Sure. So uh, we have been on Carnival a few times, uh, and Norwegian a few times. Uh, We sail primarily out of the Northeast, so either out of New York or out of Baltimore, uh, because we live in New Jersey, and I prefer not to fly. Um, So when they brought the Oasis class to New Jersey, that kind of planted the seed. And I said, you know, we've got to give this a try, biggest ship in the world and all.
0: So was so that's interesting, because prior to that, I'm certain, I'm, I know you You were aware that Royal Caribbean was a thing, obviously. Yeah. Um, was it just that the ships that Royal had there, like Anthem, as an example, didn't really do it for you? Or that it just wasn't compelling enough and Oasis was just such a big difference that it really got you thinking?
1: Yeah, it didn't, it didn't, um, we had re- seen Anthem and uh, frankly, I don't know, we had little kids at the time um, and they were attracted more to things that had like water slides, for instance, um, which has been kind of a big push for Royal Caribbean to put water slides on their ships. So, uh, you know, as I kind of follow things, I saw that Royal had been, uh, that the Oasis rather had been amplified. And then, you know, they decided to bring that to New Jersey. That's what kind of put it over the top. I said, we've got to give it a try. Uh, You know, we've done the other lines and we've enjoyed both of them, but you know, it looks like Royal's got something special
0: there, so. Absolutely. And on this cruise, actually, you were sailing with some friends uh, of yours who had also sailed on other lines, but they had not sailed on Royal either. Is that accurate? Yep,
1: that's right. They, uh, they've been on Disney a couple times and then they uh, came along on a carnival cruise with us. Um, so I said, Hey, would you like to join us? And they said, Absolutely. So yeah, we had our, our little group.
0: Interesting. So going on this cruise, you know, and, and going on a waste of Royal Caribbean as a whole uh, for the first time, you know, talk to me about your expectations. Talk to me about what you were thinking going into this. You know, for a lot of people, when they consider other lines, in a lot of cases, I think there are preconceived notions that exist, reputations that exist. So, what did you? What was? What were your? What was your thought going into your very first Royal Caribbean cruise? So,
1: I guess my expectation would be that uh, perhaps some things might be elevated over uh, over Carnival. Uh, which was really my my largest basis for comparison. Um, I was interested to try the food because Royal has recently switched to new dining room menus and there's been a lot of chatter online, good and bad, about that. So I was very interested to try that. I was interested to see the entertainment because uh, I think that's one thing that Royal is kind of known for. Um, yep. And just the the ship itself, just being such a destination, so big with so much to do. Uh, you know, obviously it's the largest ship we've ever been on by a large margin. So I was interested to see how it would feel, how it would flow, uh, how sea days would be. So I think those are my thoughts.
0: Sure. And for reference with your carnival experience, had you been on yet the Excel class ships, Mardi Gras or celebration?
1: No, we've only been on, uh, pride, victory and sunshine. Okay. So, uh, you know, kind of what they call midsize ships now, Sure. um, so yeah, we really didn't have anything to compare to in terms of their, their newest, biggest stuff.
0: Let's talk about things. Comparison and comparing is really, I think what I want to talk about a lot to you today. Let's talk about the pre-cruise experience in terms of everything, whether it was check-in or booking excursions, drink packages, all that like. How was your, how did the Royal Caribbean pre-cruise experience compare to your NCL and Carnival experiences in terms of that, everything leading up to literally the day of your cruise?
1: Yeah, so I, I was very impressed with, the technology that Royal has. Um, the app in particular is really useful pre-cruise where you know, on Carnival, for instance, uh, their app is great once you're on board, but pre-cruise, you can't really use it for anything. It's just basically a cruise countdown, um, or at least that's the way it was a few years ago when I did my last one. So um, I was very impressed with the fact that you could look all your information up right on the app. Booking through the Royal Caribbean website was very easy. Um, the dynamic pricing was something I had to kind of get used to, frankly, uh, where, you know, the price would kind of fluctuate for certain things up and down and um, you kind of had to figure out when the best time to strike was. I was lucky that I had black Friday uh, kind of in between when I booked and when I was sailing. So I was able to grab a bunch of stuff on sale. Um, So that was a little bit different, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was very easy to use really well laid out Um, in terms of, Actually getting to Cape Liberty, like that was very simple. Um, And then the check-in process was the best I've ever experienced. Basically, we got online, uh, we checked in at the desk, and they put us right on the ship. There was no waiting. There was no waiting for like a zone to be called or anything like that. So uh, it was super easy.
0: That's great to hear. You know, it's interesting, the dynamic pricing. I think it wasn't too long ago that I didn't realize that all the lines didn't do that. I think somebody had commented on some article or on Facebook that, on Carnival, the price of the drink package, I think the drink package is the same no matter what ship or or sale date or anything like that. And yes, we, that's right. We, yeah, okay. See, there you go. And that's that's very different because from day one, that has been that the, the dynamic pricing for the drink package, as an example, has been a thing. So I just kind of I've gotten used to it. <laughs> so for better or worse, so it's kind of interesting. But basically, what I'm trying to say is that it, that was a surprise to me. It was like, oh, you mean other lines don't do that? So Interesting that that's uh that's not a thing on 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 Carnival certainly. Yeah. Um, what about see, the app was great, which is which is good to hear, and you found that helpful. Check in process, anything different there?
1: Um, no, pretty basic. Uh, the last time we sailed was in 2019, so there may have been more like facial recognition stuff that we you know had to do now versus before COVID. Uh, some of that's probably changed. Um, but no, like I just said, it was, you know, check-in was, was super easy. We got our, you know, our check-in time through the app or, you know, online, uh, arrived at our, in our window and got online, checked in and got right on the ship. So super easy. Uh, you know, I was, didn't know what to expect with 6,000 people coming along with us, but you know, it was no issue.
0: Sure. So let's go to, let's go to sailing day. Now you get on board Oasis. What type of cabins do you have in this cruise? We
1: actually, have, so I have two teenagers, uh, a fourteen-year-old boy, eighteen-year-old girl, and this is the first time we've gotten two cabins oh. uh, instead of, instead of all bunking together, jammed like sardines. So yeah. uh, we had we had on deck fourteen uh, uh, connecting balcony cabins, which was great. That was the best decision I ever made. Uh, we had so much room. We had two bathrooms, as you can imagine, that is really great. That's a luxury. Um, and then our cabin steward was able to open the door between our cabins and then also the divider on the balcony. So we ended up having like a double balcony for us. So, I mean, that was absolutely fantastic and just made made the whole crew so much more enjoyable for us.
0: Yeah, that's a game changer for families. I can't stress this enough as a dad myself. Uh, sharing a bathroom with your kids is not a great it's, it's not a great vacation, it's Not it's not un- impossible but, boy, when you have the second bathroom, and more importantly, the separation, that common door there, so that way when you and your wife want to go to bed versus when you're teens and they're going to go to bed maybe even later than you, who knows, you know, that's just, it, it's win-win for everybody. And it's actually not, like, that expensive when you think about it. A lot of people say, oh, two rooms, you must be, you know, super rich, Craig. But the price of two cabins, even balcony ones, are really not that bad.
1: Yeah, I I actually priced it both ways. And I forget the exact numbers, but it really wasn't a big difference. And so for the added convenience, it wasn't much more money to put two people in two separate rooms rather than jam four into one. Uh, So it made total sense to me.
0: Cool. So you got on Oasis. Obviously, you, you went on your cruise here. What did you like about what Royal Caribbean did compared to your previous cruise experience?
1: I mean, the ship is just outstanding. It is. It's just wild. Uh, it's so big and there's so much going on and it's so beautiful. Um, the, the way that the, they separate everything into neighborhoods. I mean, this is probably not news to most rural Caribbean folks, but it was news to me my first time on with the different neighborhoods and how that creates traffic flow in a way that it never really feels that crowded. We were on an absolutely full sailing. I think there was almost 7,000 guests on our sailing 6,700 people. I think they said, and yeah, um, It never felt like overcrowded, right? I mean, you know, the pool deck is what it is on sea days, right? Like any cruise ship. But, um, you know, it it was never overwhelming or or anything like that. So there's just so much to see on the ship. They did such a good job with that. Um, Frankly, there's probably things I missed. I had a whole checklist of things I wanted to see, and I was kind of checking it off as the week went by. But I definitely missed some things. Uh, There's just, it's impossible to do everything that there is to do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I often describe it as an overwhelming, in a good way, (laughs) variety of things there. And
1: my 14-year-old son, right, is like, he was in heaven, because he basically, the first night, found some kids at the teen club, they made their little group, and he was gone for the week. And there was never, like, a lack of things for him to do, never bored, never, you know. It was it was just whether you're on, you're either on the water slides or you're in the pool you're on the on the uh, ultimate abyss or you're on the basketball court or you're whatever like they're, they're just always things to do for, for for him and his age group, which I really appreciated. Here's yeah. the other thing too. Um, I might be skipping a little bit, but sure. one of the things that Royal did I think really well was they recognized that young adult cruisers probably need some programming. like for instance, my daughter who's 18, She's not 21, so she can't really hit the bar scene, Uh, but she can't go to a teen club. So they have this new programming called Hyperlink for 18 to 25-year-olds, and I'd never heard of it really until we got on the ship, but they organize you know, get-togethers on the first night, and they organize various events in in different venues throughout the week, and it's that way folks in, in that age group have a chance to meet other people in that age group and put their little groups together and, and have some friends for the week. So that was a really nice thing that they did for her on top of what they do for the the younger kids.
0: Did she go to the set by the way and you're absolutely right. Uh did she go to all the sessions or was it like your son that formed a group and then that kind of deviated away?
1: She went to she went to a couple of the sessions. So we were sailing with our friends who had a daughter of the same age. So they kind of went together, yep. um, met a bunch of people, hung out a couple of times, you know, kind of low key, but but it was nice that they had that available to them.
0: Yeah. So the hyperlink program is great. It's a fairly recent, uh, uh, program. It was, it was added in January or maybe even late as December of last year. And, uh, so it's pretty new. One of our writers is actually still young enough to qualify for it. She tried it out. Um, and you know, depending on just like so many things on, on Royal Caribbean, especially when it comes to the programming for events, you know, I think a lot of it depends on who the staff member is that's running it. Right. Some are going to be better than others. How well, um, how well, um, uh, not populated, but how many people show up for these events, things like that. But it's it's definitely an, a pain point for a lot of parents who have kids just like your daughter, who eight, they're too young to drink, they're too old for the teen club, you know, and they don't want to hang out, and do the adult events, you know, with like you or I, Craig. So it's a it's a great fit there, and I'm so glad to hear that it's available. Basically, for anyone listening who's interested, it's called Hyperlink, and you'll see the events in the app and in the Cruise Compass, and it'll basically say it's like Hyperlink, and then it'll be. There's usually one or two events a day, usually in the evening almost exclusively, and it'll be like, you know, dodgeball or it'll be some other event, and, um, you know, it's nice that they, that Royal recognizes that and tries to do their best to, to offer that, so that's something really nice to hear that your daughter enjoyed it.
1: Yeah, and from what I gather, it was pretty well attended, so it's yeah. good that, you know, they obviously identified a need there.
0: So, what did you miss about Carnival or NCL?
1: So, there were a couple things, uh, as good a time as we had, so guy's burger joint is a mm. pain point yep. i missed guy's burger joint i mean the, the food the burgers and Windjammer were very good they were fine but it's not the same thing so yeah, i'm sure you've heard this before those guys burgers are something special yeah um, the one thing i will say is that the beds were much firmer <laughs> than we were used to from other cruise lines mm. and we've heard this from others on you know in facebook groups and whatnot um The cruise beds that we experienced on carnival in Norwegian were like super comfy, kind of sink into them. We loved it. The Royal bed was very firm. Uh, Our room attendant was wonderful. He brought, you know, seven duvets to put on top to kind of give it some cushion, but it was definitely a firmer bed. So I don't know if that's something across the fleet, um, or, or, you know, if that's just an Oasis thing, but Hmm. that we definitely noticed. the, you know, besides that, frankly, there wasn't a heck of a lot that I missed. Um, uh-huh. You know, Royal really hit the marks across the board. I will say, you know, there's probably less of a extreme party vibe, you know, yeah. than Carnival. Um, and and I enjoy that. I mean, I, I enjoy my Carnival cruises. I'm probably going to do a lot more. But um, there was a little bit less of that vibe, but it was not a... Duck up, kind of stuffy vibe at all. on it, it was a nice kind of middle-of-the-road feeling, you know, family-friendly, but plenty of energy. Um, so, yeah, that was great.
0: Awesome. And for the, I know Guy's Burger is Guy's Burger and has a good reputation, well-deserved. Did you find El Loco Fresh to be at least something compelling to try?
1: Um, it, was, it was good for a quick snack. Frankly, yeah. you know, we probably like the Blue Iguana that's competitive on Carnival a little bit better. Sure. Uh, just in terms of the offerings, um, but it was you know it, it was fine for a quick you know pool deck meal and some nachos and cheese sauce. Um, <laughs> I will say uh, the Park Cafe the Comal sandwich was killer. Um, I had a I had a couple of those, so that that was something that was on my list to try because that's I guess like kind of a royal specialty. Um, so that was uh, that was excellent, and that's something you can't find elsewhere. Um, also, we tried Portside Barbecue. I know that's that's a uh, yeah, it's an extra charge place, but um, it was very good. It was a nice change of pace for a, a C day lunch to get in there and and get you know pretty pretty good ribs and brisket and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, I remember when they announced Portside Barbecue, and I'm not I'm not like a big barbecue fan. Like if we're going out for dinner, you'll probably never hear me say, "Hey." Greg, let's go to this barbecue restaurant. Um, It's just not my jam, but I was thoroughly impressed and remain thoroughly impressed with um, port side barbecue. And it's pretty inexpensive considering that it's priced a la carte, which I think really helps make it a good choice, especially for like lunches or just a casual meal in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's what we did. And yeah, I, I agree. I think you get a lot of food for what you pay. Uh, Yeah, And it was, you know, it was good. I mean, you know, again, i am probably like you. I'm probably not like the biggest barbecue fan but it was it was a good change of pace we enjoyed it
0: good i'm glad to hear that so that being said here's the here's the real question for you craig loved the oasis now granted you are admittedly someone who prefers not to fly so you know your choices are limited given where you where you uh where you live currently but i mean is this your is this your last royal caribbean cruise is this one of many are you uh are you now a convert and you're only in a cruise royal what's your outlook looking forward now
1: <laughs> uh we are definitely fans right? especially my son who has announced that he will not cruise on anything less than an oasis class ship
0: <laughs> phone, sounds like my daughter so,
1: <laughs> that that if that tells you how what kind of impression the ship made on him uh, no we we definitely are um, coming back for more uh, at some point, they're they're bringing some new ships into Cape Liberty. They're bringing Symphony up here. They're bringing Odyssey up here. Um, Liberty is here, so yeah, we're definitely going to add add Royal to our roster. Uh, we we had a great time. It was it was
0: uh, it was super. I'm glad we tried it. Awesome. Well, Craig, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. My pleasure. All right, friends, time to answer listener emails. This is the part of the episode where you email me your questions. You can always email me by emailing to matt at matt at By the way, you know, something I just thought about is I forgot we have actually a voicemail line. We haven't had one in a really long time, but if you want to call in your question, you can do that by calling 408-676-9256. Don't worry. You won't talk to me or anything. It's just a voicemail line and just leave your name and your question and, hey, a little different way to be on the show. Anyway, our first email this week is from Mike and Faith Quinn. Good morning, Matt. My wife and I just returned from our first Royal Caribbean cruise. It was a three-night weekend cruise to Coco Key and Nassau on Freedom of the Sea. We followed all your pre-trip planning suggestions, studied ports, got the early check-in time, went to the beach club, and had an absolutely amazing time. While on board, we decided to visit the next cruise office and booked a nine-day cruise to Bermuda on Liberty. Two questions for you. Number one, our first stop is Bermuda. Do you have any recommendations for excursions? Definitely, Horseshoe Bay is the way to go there. It's the thing to do in Bermuda. Number two, our final stop on that cruise is and when they see and we see they have cabanas. Our question is, can anyone purchase the cabana excursion, or are most of you saying in a suite to purchase them? Is one beach quieter than the others? Thanks for all the great info and introducing us to cruising. We are now hooked. So anybody can book any cabana. There used to be a limitation that barefoot beach cabanas were only available to people that booked a suite, but that's no longer the case, so you can book a cabana, either one, if given the option, I would say Barefoot Beach is better, but Nellie's Beach Cabanas are certainly fine. I've stayed in both of them. So um I would say priority one would be Barefoot Beach, but if you have to settle, quote unquote, for the Nellie's Beach ones, those are totally fine as well. Thank you, Mike, for the email there. Next question is from Kim Rowe. Hi, Matt, we're going on a Southern Caribbean cruise. Next March, starting at route Bonaire. I've never been to those islands. What would you recommend to do as far as shore excursions. We love the beaches and are going. we would love to experience some local culture and dining as well. In Aruba, Palm Beach or Eagle Beach are the two places that I would recommend. In fact, the last few times I've been to Aruba, I've gone there via a resort. I get a pass from resortforaday.com. So it not only includes beach access to those resorts, but also it has pool access, food, some other facilities which I never use, but they're technically available. I'm a really big fan of this, especially for families, really anybody, because sometimes you feel like the ocean, sometimes you feel like the pool, or both. And the fact that food is included i think it's a much more uh, enjoyable experience for me personally anyway resortforaday.com is what i would recommend there as for bonaire bonaire is really well known for diving if you're into that at all uh, historically certainly part of that i think that's a that's really what you want to do in bonaire because the island itself is not that remarkable there's a little small downtown area which has some bars and restaurants is okay but that's not too bad In terms of local culture and dining both islands, I mean, they don't really have it. Aruba is such a tourist island. I mean, they're both tourist islands. I feel like when you walk off the ship in Bonaire, there's a little bit more to do. I mean, Cur- Aruba's far more built up, right? But I wouldn't, like, it's not like that much local culture, if that makes sense, a lot of tourist stuff. So neither really are good at that. is really the island for the local culture and dining, in my opinion. But you can get smatterings of that in both places, so... Uh, Kim, thanks for the email there. Our next email comes to us from Mike. Hi Matt, great work on the blog and podcast. Here's a couple of questions I have for you. Can you please explain the sign behind Royal Up? Asking because I'm on independence and it's now sold out. A couple months ago, I got the Royal Up email and decided I was interested. I maxed out every bid option I had. I didn't get any. Now I realize Chip, I ship is sold out, but I know of several others on board who were successful who got bids, including same category as I did that I was not as successful for. You might be able to get the entire blog entry on the subject. In fact, Mike, I did do a blog post on this uh, a month or two ago at this point, and there is no science. It is completely random chance. There is nothing you can do to make it more or less likely for you to win your bid. Maxing out your bids is not a guarantee of anything. As you've seen, it's just, it's all, it's all luck. And I've talked to a lot of different travel agents about this, Mike, and they all said the same thing. That honestly, no matter what you do, it's all luck. It's like playing a scratch off lottery ticket. It's just maybe you win, maybe you don't, probably don't, but it's all luck. Number two, more of a question of cruising in general, why do we have to participate and watch safety drills every cruise? If you're a regular, this is highly redundant, and before you say it's for safety, imagine if every time you got an airplane that airline forced you to watch a video on your phone and check in with a gate agent to scan your CPAS to prove you participated in the safety drill. All travel has risks, and the truth is planes crash far more often than cruise liners sink, so what gives? Well, first of all, you are forced to watch it if you, I don't know what airplanes you've been on, maybe you haven't paid attention, but the when you sit there on the plane, and be, when you're pushing back. You have to sit there and listen to the flight attendants or watch a video of the safety things. That is very much required. And they do that actually on every single flight. Now, if you don't pay attention, different story. I get it, you're not reporting a certain thing, but you are there. It's actually mandated by maritime law that everybody sailing must attend the safety dr- safety drill and be aware of the safety procedure regardless of your experience. I mean, listen, you can talk to anybody in any industry no matter how many years they've worked there, there are people who know what they're talking about, people that don't. So experience doesn't necessarily mean anything other than the fact that you've been there before. It doesn't mean you're well-versed in the safety procedures. And it's required by maritime law. It's not Royal Caribbean or Carnival or Norwegian decision. It is international maritime law that dictates it. And airlines do require it. So um, it's just basically, they're they're, they're required to do that so people understand what to do in the same way that when you're on an airplane, they tell you, you know, put on your mask before helping others and all the other things they tell you to do in there, same basic idea. So hopefully that clears that up. Mike, thank you for the email. Our next question is from uh, Dan wants to can you bring a bike on a rollercoaster cruise? I'm interested in bringing it, assuming to be stored in my stadium and riding into ports. It's just a regular bike, not a folding bike. I believe you can. Um, I don't remember exactly the procedure for doing so, Bicycles are one of those items that Royal Caribbean lists in its conduct policy that you simply can't use on board, like skateboards or surfboards uh, and bikes for that matter, roller skates. So it's not that you can't bring it on board, but you can't use it on board. And I don't think that's what you want it. You want to use it in port, and I think that's totally fine. The other thing is you're gonna have to probably keep it in your stateroom, which is a tight fit to begin with. So if you're in a smaller room, that may be more problematic than something else there. Thank you for the email. Next, we have an email from Cassandra. Two questions regarding my cruise. Number one, what is the time frame? We're switching from refundable to non-refundable rates. Uh-huh. Uh, the answer is you can do it at any time. And I've done it. I remember some cruises, now this is rare, but I remember like right either right before final pay, I think right around final payment date, my travel agent had me switch because for whatever reason it happened to be cheaper, but there isn't a timeline you can't switch it to. It's just a matter of if, if, if there's any advantage doing so. Uh-huh. And number two, what is the time frame of purchasing travel protection through Royal Caribbean? I could be wrong, but I was under the impression that you could buy travel insurance up to 48 to hours before you're sailing for it to cover any pre-existing conditions um, through the policy there. But I'm, honestly, now I'm not sure if that's like all policies or Royal Caribbean's because obviously you can get travel insurance through other things there. So I am not 100% sure this would be a good opportunity to probably to post your question in the Royal Caribbean blog message boards and maybe get clarification on that. Because I when I buy my travel insurance, Center I get it through a third party, uh, not through Royal Caribbean. That's just my personal choice there. Uh, there isn't a right or wrong answer for that. But the, um, I, I think it really depends on you know policy there. I would double check that, but um, I know you can, you can certainly purchase it after you purchase your cruise. A lot of people just do it at the same time, but you can change your mind later on. And we have time for one more email and that's coming to us from uh, Susan, who wants, Susan, in New Jersey. If I rent a mobility scooter and bring it on a ship, how do I know it will fit through the standard cabin door? I don't want to take up a handicapped cabin just for a scooter. Also, is there a way to prop open a cabin door to get it in and out? Thanks. Good questions. Um, I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert matter on, on, on the scooter thing. I would say that I would probably talk to the scooter, uh, the people you're renting it from, to make sure that it is. I'm sure they come in different sizes there. And actually, a lot of people, Susan, will park their scooter in the hallway. You see it somewhat commonly that you'll see a scooter parked outside because I'm like, guessing they can't fit in there. Otherwise, you might need to get a a a, a um. Accessible cabin for that exact reason. And is there a way to prop open a cabin door to get it in and out? You can talk to your cabin attendant. They usually hide somewhere in your room a little rubber door stop, so that when they're coming later to service your room, they can easily keep the door open. That would be something to talk to your stateroom attendant for once you get on board in order to help you out there. So thank you for the email. Thank you everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog podcast. If uh, you have a question for us, you can always email it to matt m a t t at Matt at Royal Caribbean Blog. Until next time, I'm Matt. We'll talk again real soon.